0: Welcome to the Building Design Primetime podcast, focused on providing valuable information for anyone looking to undertake a new build or extension project.
1: We'll share our tips, tricks and stories from a building designer's perspective. to The Building Design Primetime Podcast. I'm your host, Amelia, and once again we're joined by Frank Geskus. Hey, Amelia. Hey, how's it going? End of the week. End of the week.
0: How do you reckon it's going? I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: all right. We've got another exciting episode to talk about.
0: True. We're going to talk about um, what are the things to consider when you're building near the coast. In Tasmania, we're a lovely little island. Little. We're pretty big. Not compared to the mainland, as we call it, the big island. But we've got So many amazing places around Tasmania for recreational beach, just beautiful views all the way around, and some are harsher than others with their environment, like the west coast of Tasmania, pretty brutal. But I thought we'd talk about things you've got to consider. Everyone dreams of having a holiday home, or as we like to affectionately call them, the shack, just out on the coast looking over the breaking surf.
1: And I mean, it is amazing. Who wouldn't want a property like that?
0: Oh, totally. And some people are very fortunate to have that or be able to all actually move there, retire. Yeah. yeah, there's plenty of people that move to the coast. I've seen plenty of mainlanders, sorry, you people from the big island, come over, fight, fall in love with the place and they buy these amazing houses on the coast.
1: Oh, yeah. But there are some pitfalls that people need to consider because there can be additional costs.
0: If you're building from scratch, but also if you're buying one. Yeah, it's comes down to what you we call the exposure classification.
1: What does that mean?
0: So you're exposed to the corrosive environment. So just think, beach, salt, breaking water, big mist. Where does the mist that lands on the building and can cause mayhem with your building?
1: I guess you've got to think moisture in general so, is pretty well, bad. yeah, yeah. It,
0: it is to a point, but most houses can handle that. But when you add a little bit of salt to that...
1: Even oh, it worse. T- ...it takes
0: it to the next level. Yeah. I've seen some amazing damage to houses. And we're very fortunate in Tasmania and, to be fair, all around Australia there are some amazing places that allowed to build. Now, to be fair, in today's legalistic way of how we do things you can't build in a lot of these places anymore they just will not let you
1: because of that reason because no. of the corrosive oh, environment
0: now no, you got to protect the cute fairy animals and in, in plant life and all that because there's people with farm years gone by they could build humpies and shacks and holiday homes with Within reason, because there wasn't a huge amount of rules. And I'll use the example, in Tasmania, we have the highlands, we call it, and that's up in our lakes with their famous trout fishing. And we call most of the shacks up there humpies, because they're just bits of buildings that have been put together. No building approvals, no nothing, and but it's just how it was done. And they've been there for a long, long time. They have different environment to deal with, they're Climate zone class 8, so they're highlands, so they have to deal with different things. But they're up against the water, but they're on a lake, so they don't have salt, fresh water. Different environment. But then you've got stuff on the coast where people have gone and built stuff and the old fibro house, mm-hmm. fibro cement sheet house, it's still pretty it was pretty common and there's still lots of them out there. Now we're building mega mansions out on the coast to look at the view and some people live there and travel into the, the cities and that's their choice, you know, good on them if they want to do that. But you have to take a lot into consideration. When you have breaking surf, it has a mist and generally you'll have periods of high winds coming straight off the sea, they're going to blow it straight onto your house. And anything that is not protected or the metal isn't, you know, non-corrosive, it'll, it'll destroy the house.
1: Wow. So how do you work around that? Are there special materials that you have to use or how does it work?
0: Well, if you're doing a new house now, you've got to work out the classifications. That's where you start. So under the building code, we look at what is a very high exposure classification and that could be in the vicinity of up to 300 metres from the breaking surf. And that has a very huge impact on your house because you're always going to have strong winds at times salt, mist, whatever, all landing on the house. So then it's heavily exposed to corrosion but also wind blowing into crevices into the house as well. So you, the design has to take that into effect and you don't want water blowing in through little cracks and stuff through your house. So then you've got to put in metal flashings and but the metal flashings can't be normal flashings.
1: You have to get special ones.
0: Yeah, well, well, there's a product we use which is called Ultra. So everyone's heard of color bond, but this is ultra, and it's designed for that. But it's not designed to get really close because it can't handle really getting really close to the breaking surf. So then you look at other options: aluminium, stainless steel. So the cost goes up. Your fixtures, screws—you're going to have to consider putting stainless steel screws in. If you've got brickwork, there are brick ties that hold it to the frame. They have to be stainless. All your fixings have to be stainless. Galvanize mm, doesn't always work, depending on the level of galvanizing. If you've got a nice deck out the side of the house and there's a steel frame, it's got to be coated. And funny enough, hot dip galvanizing sometimes doesn't cut the mustard, contrary to belief. You know, so I've seen galvanized steel not handle over a long time. So then we look at two pack epoxies that are designed for that exposure. We work with Dulux products uh, for those high exposure houses, and that includes not just the steel that's on the outside, like for a deck or on the house, but it's inside the house as well, because the salt gets inside the house. So that's amazing.
1: Yeah, but
0: it, it does. It gets in everywhere. So then all the steel that's inside that you build, you know, you may need that to hold the house together. So that's got to be coated correctly. And when I am mean coated, not when it's put in place. When it's put together, it's all bolted so it's well-coated, well-protected. And I've seen plenty of houses where it hasn't been. And then how do you fix it? It's really expensive and it's really hard.
1: So what sort of experience do you have when you come across these sort of houses? Have you seen some pretty damaged properties because of the corrosive environment?
0: Yes. I'll use an example just up from Launceston, you go up the Tamar River and you go to a place called Low Head. And Greens Beach is over the water there too but uh, as well. But Low Head is really exposed. and I've seen some houses up there. Got all this wind and rain and obviously sand mixed up there. And it's like parts of it were sandblasted. You know, damaged the exterior. Just cladding, eating it away. Eating it away. Wow. Um, I've seen, you know, you've got beautiful door handles and stuff. Got nice coatings on They've all been eaten away. Down lights and other light fixture. Powder coating stripped away. It's Absolutely brutal, the environment that these houses are in.
1: It makes you wonder how those little fibro shacks have survived for so long.
0: They were very simple.
1: True, they were.
0: And the nails weren't like the nails we do now. They were like big spikes, you Mm -hmm. know. But they are what they are because they're not built great, but also they're very, very basic. So there's not a lot to go wrong. True. It's not as if they've got any downlights in them.
1: No, that's right.
0: Had the old Bakelite stuff in there, which is fine. So now you see a lot of houses being built on the coast, and they're beautiful. And you go anywhere in Australia, and the maintenance on them is huge, but they've got to be designed. Even the concrete, you can't just use the same technique of concrete as you're living in the city where you're 50 kilometres away and you're pretty safe from that type of environment. The concrete has to be a higher-grade strength, and the steel have to have more cover to the steel, so it's better protected. So there's all these types of things. The nails they use, well, you've got to think about that. The holding down bolts, you know, at the bottom the plate, how they're fixed to the concrete. You're not going to use mould steel. You're going to use stainless. And that's the cost goes up. Wow. And even the window powder coating, you know, that's it's hard work for the windows. They cop it really bad.
1: They would, yeah.
0: And think of the rubbers around there too, you know. And, and you pay more for that to make sure it lasts, but they won't guarantee it. You know, and, and we've had that with the roofs too, where we, you specify an ultra and they go, well, it costs a fortune, but they still can't guarantee it past their normal warranty. So all those things have to be considered. Uh, sometimes the natural materials are better. Yeah. Using timber, recoating it, some of the cement sheets are quite good. You've got to you know work with your design architect and look at specific products. We've just done one recently. We've gone a CLT, cross laminated timber, and we've put specific colour bond sheeting over it and all stainless fixings, but it's going to be in a pretty harsh environment. Wow. Yeah, all these things have to be considered. You can't just think it's going to cost you the same as in the city as it does out near the coast.
1: Does it also depend on where on a block you can put the house? Position it. The position, yeah. Oh, I, I imagine yeah. The, with the distance, like, is there a minimum distance or how does it work?
0: Yeah, look, it's based on the products and the suppliers. A lot of them say... No closer than 300 metres, okay. I won't guarantee. That, you know, but that varies from every product. And you've got to you know look around, research it. Is that suitable or not? I want a certain look. And then also, no, nah, I'm willing to sacrifice. I want that look. I'm going to put that cladding on. It will in 20, 30 years' time. It's no good. Then I accept that. As a designer, you're trying to get a look and, and meet the client's brief. And you've got to consider those things in in helping them choose the right cladding for that and advise them of that. And it's got to be quite buildable as well. So for the builder to be able to put together, the builder has to be switched on on how to put this stuff together as well. You know, using the right fixtures. You can buy any screws you like from the hardware store, but you've got to be quite specific on these. There's no shortcuts.
1: Yeah, so you're probably looking at a pretty experienced builder because he's a little bit specialised, isn't it? Very much so.
0: But it's also not to be confused. We're fortunate... Tasmania, we've well, got lots of big rivers that you know come from the sea and then come into fresh water. Launceston's on the Tamar, Hobart's on the Derwent, Devonport, Olveston—all the, all these places got reasonable rivers on them that they can build on. And then Launceston, the Tamar is like an estuary, so yes. you don't have that because the water go, becomes salt brackish, and then you got fresh at the other end. You know, the two rivers come in and flush it out, so you don't have that salt. But it's interesting when you go to the other end where Georgetown up up the road. We're doing some work on an industrial site up there, and that's 700 metres away from the water, yet that has suffered badly from corrosion. Really? Yeah, and you wouldn't think so. There's not a huge amount of breaking surf, but we were surprised. But the, so this is a really interesting shed because it was mainly clad in aluminium. Oh, really? Yeah, the main shed was, but then ever all the additions were out of mild steel, or Colour Bond, and uh, they haven't fared too well.
1: Really? Yeah, wow, it was that's really surprising. bizarre thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: So the original designers who built this building knew what they were doing.
1: Yeah, that's good. Makes a difference. Mm.
0: Yeah, the other thing too, say so if you put a box gutter in there and you're relatively close to, to potential moisture and corrosion, stainless steel gutters every day of the week. Yeah. doesn't cause you a problem.
1: You love your box gutters?
0: No, I don't. <laughs> I just thought I'd <laughs> bring that Throw on. that in. Yes. <laughs> yes, not a fan. Not a fan. They cause, because I'm a practical guy, they cause more problems potentially down the track.
1: Especially with maintenance. and
0: Oh, no one maintains them. Who wants to go up and room and clean the leaves out of a box gutter?
1: True. It's, True.
0: I don't know. I'm not that keen. So the, these are things you've got to really consider. Your deck. You put natural timbers on your deck. On a harsh environment like that, the coatings are going to be struggling to deal with it. Mm-hmm. The people put up sheds for their boats. Cull bond sheds. Yes. And if they don't choose the right colour bond, what's going to happen? It's going to rust. rust. And mm. all the steel, the, the inside rusts. Yeah. you got rust stains on the concrete and all that. So there's plenty of examples of that around Tasmania, but on the river being an estuary, you don't get that exposure. So Windermere, Rosevirs, just up from Launceston, they don't have that kind of problem. Even on the Derwent in Hobart, it, it's not too bad until you get closer you know, to southern where it meets the... the beach. Yeah, it mm. goes down further, yeah. So it's understanding where you're going to have breaking surface of water splashing up against the edge of the, the river as such, yeah. So those things you've got to be really conscious of, plus the high winds.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point and probably something that not everyone thinks about either.
0: no. It gets windy, whether you like it or not. <laughs> it comes rush across the water and belts you absolutely mm-hmm. belts it. That exposure, there's nothing as cool as, you know, a wintry day in Tassie, and we get a few of those.
1: Only a few. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you're on the and you're looking over the beach, tucked up nice and warm inside your house, the weather's a bit how you're going, and you've got this magnificent view. Mm-hmm. Even if it's raining and whatnot, or thunderstorms in the distance. It is awesome.
1: It is pretty
0: cool. Yes. So when the sea mist comes in, you can't see a thing. Yes. But uh, we're very fortunate here. There's plenty of places. A lot of people outside of Tasmania have discovered this as well. And moving down here and and buying a holiday home. Billong Bay, Bay of Fires, it's pretty famous. Oh, yeah. Coles Bay, Bishno, St Helens, Stiglitz. And that's just on the east coast.
1: Yeah, and we've got a lot more than that.
0: You go down Hobart. Primrose and all the way around there. It's magnificent.
1: Even Orford and
0: yeah, Orford, down there. Yeah, Orford, Yep. Uh, then you go down on the other side, Kingston, Kingston Beach, Snug. You go all the way down there. Seven
1: Mile Beach.
0: Yep. Oh, Magnificent. Yeah. So there's plenty of choice, isn't it?
1: Heaps of choice.
0: But high maintenance.
1: Yeah, so what, what are some of the considerations that, you know, for anyone either looking to buy an established beach house or yep. shack or retire down here or what, whatever the go might be, if it's new or established, what what do you look out for? Well,
0: if it's established, it should show signs of wear and tear, like any house does. But what you're looking for is potential corrosion. Now, the problem is you can't see in behind the walls. You can't necessarily see it in the roof. You can't see it in certain places. Hopefully it's been well maintained, because if it's not been maintained, you'll be able to see it pretty clearly. But to be fair, if you're not in the game looking at this stuff, you wouldn't know. And this is where... I believe good, reputable building assessors will be able to, you know, pre-purchase assessments will be able to go through this in detail and point out things, you know, under the floor, if it's timber floor, you know, how's that all looking? We've, been, we've had Wayne on the show we've spoken about that, but you find a reputable assessor who can do this, they're going to save you thousands of a lot of heartache and I'd always do it via referral, multiple referrals for an individual or a business. The reason I say that, don't ever listen to one person's opinion on this. It's an unregulated part of the industry and I think it should be regulated and making sure they run insurance. And this is now if you're buying near new as well because the beauty of near new, you could ask permission from the owners says, I want to look at all the building drawings, plumbing drawings and all that and look at all the inspections. And then you get someone in who's experience could be a designer, architect, building surveyor and says, have they done this correctly to protect for corrosion and high winds? There's a case that was on ABC where it was down at Primrose Sands. Someone built a house and something went wrong. There's a whole conflicting information, but the the bottom line is the owner ended up taking over from the builder and went to his own thing and everyone's blaming everyone. But the bottom line is this thing had a lot of steel in it. It was shown on the photos that it was saw in the news. There was not one lick of paint on it. It didn't have a primer on it. It was pure steel. And it was definitely within three hundred metres of breaking surf.
1: So that's a big no-no.
0: Of course, you've got to coat. You still you've got to protect it. It's like aluminium. You've still got to protect it. You've got to maintain it. Even with stainless, you've got to wash it off. Look at guys' boats. They're always washing their boats when they come out yeah. of So you've got to look at the same as your house. So there are people there still not in the know. If they don't do it properly, owner builders. Sorry, no offence. I've been it myself. They don't necessarily know. And when the budget gets out of control, they take corners. But I'm generalising here, but I have seen corners cut on owner builder homes, and when it comes to when you're close to the coast, you do not want that, you know, because you can't see if things have been painted properly, coated properly, protected properly, stainless fixings, all that type of stuff.
1: So, would you recommend a higher contingency for people looking at these sort of environments? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. If you're if you're building something, you are definitely going to need a higher amount of money and and. Uh, well, look, at the end of the day, your budget's going to be considerably more. has to be. There's no choice about that. So don't expect to build it for the same cost as if you're building something in town. Forget about the land component. Just talk on pure building cost. And what the percentage might be, I can't tell you, because it depends where you sit on the site, you know. And when I mean by site, I mean, in, I should say, position to the breaking surf. Mm-hmm. But you build near fresh water and stuff, you're generally Okay. You know, if you're up the estuaries, plenty of other rivers around Tasmania. When you're inland on rivers, lakes and stuff, the exposure, yeah, you, you haven't quite got those considerations. You might have snow that you've got to deal with, but.
1: <laughs> snow, yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, when you get up in the highlands, yeah. So I hope that helps a little bit, just making people aware of, of building near the coast or buying near the coast. And uh, there's a lot of them around Tasmania.
1: Oh, there certainly are. All righty, any other take home points? Do your research, as always. Ah, sounds like
0: a scratch record, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But it's certainly part of that. And finding the professionals to help you with this, to make the right decision. If you're dropping a million bucks and on a coastal house, you want to make sure that it's a good investment. It's a luxury item, unless you're going to make it at your permanent home. But if it's a second home, holiday home, it's an absolute luxury. But either way, it's still a big investment, and you don't ever want to lose on that.
1: 100%. All righty. We might wrap it up there, folks. Thanks for listening to the Building Design Primetime Podcast. Catch you later. You're listening to the Building Design Primetime Podcast.